0: Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Doo-doo-doo,
1: doo-doo-doo. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest.
2: Hi, it's Lainey from the Library Love Fest marketing team. Every month we get together into a Facebook Live talking about really exciting titles we have coming up. This is the audio from our October Facebook Live video that resides on Facebook, and we have a lot of spooky sound effects, so I hope you enjoy the audio. If you want to see the full video, you can go to our video archive on our website at LibraryLoveFest.com. Enjoy!
0: What does you-
1: Ooh, hello Facebook. Welcome to our spooky Book Studio 16. Happy early Halloween. We have our creepy Library Love Fest team here ready to talk about some books um, in their spooky, spookified hut. Uh, let us know if you guys have any questions, leave some comments for them, and let them take it away.
0: Whoa. Hello everyone! Welcome to our spooktacular episode of Library Love Fest Presents... Scary stuff uh, in preparation for Halloween. Um, so I'm Virginia Stanley, uh, director of library marketing at HarperCollins, and uh, to my left is.
3: <coughs> it's just me. Oh.
2: oh.
0: Phew.
3: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Connolly with the library marketing team. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Amelia Bedelia. Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> L- I'm Lainey Mays, and I'm the library marketing assistant. But I'm also Amelia Bedelia. And here's my pie. Oh my God.
0: She just unveiled that today, and it is adorable. I, I love I, Amelia Bedelia. Oh, it's so cute. And I love the Statue of Liberty. No, I mean, I do. She's fabulous. But um, I, I wore because I broke, I have a little arm injury, and so I thought it'd be fun to hold a torch with my bad arm. How funny is that? Also, years ago, we published this fabulous children's book about the Statue of Liberty, and I thought it would be a great time for us to bring that back and remind you all of that beautiful building in in New York Harbor. There. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to talk about well, we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about new books, forthcoming books, and um, some scary books. Sure. <laughs> Oh, and also, Scooter, I don't know if you can get our jello mold, but it's actually underneath there, and we can't get it out of the mold. That's what you get for going to the dollar store. <laughs> but um, there's jello underneath there. Perhaps it has vodka in it, perhaps it doesn't. But we can't take it off the plate because it will ooze out on the floor, and the studio will not be happy with us. So it's going to stay there and just jiggle. Okay
3: vicious brain
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about our scary audiobooks? Yes hmm. So we had our great audio team made us a little clip and I'm uh, a few books and I'm gonna put it on our blog after this so you can listen to all of them but we the what was just playing was the Exorcist that's what it starts off with. And then we had have a book that we're also going to talk about, Bird Box, that's going to be on Netflix soon. Oh, it is in that stack over there, the, the stack, scary book stack. The scary book yeah, stack. Yeah, scary book stack. Um, and we have Alice Isn't Dead, which is also in that stack, and The Witch of Willow Hall. So all of those books are super scary to listen to and soundtracks. And I will put that up for you guys so you can hear clips.
0: Yeah, do you want to play some or what? How sure. Because uh, we could talk about the bird box first, just because it's scary, and we're starting oh. off scary. Hope you kids are okay out there, not too afraid. Okay, so bird box. Sometimes the... I wish I were an architect That's so that a... I could dedicate a building to a person, a superstructure that broke the clouds and continued up into the abyss. And if bird box were made of bricks instead of letters, I'd host a ceremony, invite every shadowy memory I have, and cut the ribbon with an axe.
2: So that's Bird Box.
3: Josh Mallerman's such a great horror author. I, I love him. I first read uh, Black Mad Wheel, which came out a couple years ago, yep. um, um, and then went back to Bird Box, and he just has a really cool, he's a musician, so yep. he has like this natural, he, he writes and he writes about sound and how that plays into the horror. He uses it really well. It's super creepy. Ooh. So an audiobook is like Perfect. And so I can't, perfect. I can't wait to see yeah. the Netflix series as well.
2: We also have Alice Isn't Dead. Well, and... hang on. We just want to talk oh, about
0: for the Netflix, yeah. the Netflix, um, they just posted a trailer, super creepy. It is. Um, for this Netflix movie that's based on Bird Box. Do you want to show them a jacket again? Yeah. Um, and that's with Sandra Bullock and Sarah Paulson, and that's going to air on Netflix and in select theaters uh, mm-hmm. on December 21st. So um, we have these super creepy gifts that we can put on Library Love Fest, which are really kind of funny. But I mean, honestly, you watch this trailer, and it's just Sandra Bullock is freaking me out. The book freaks you out. He's such a nice guy, too. I think he came to the Texas Library Association. Anyway, yep. great guy, and oh, my crown's in the way. Uh, great guy, scary, super creepy book um, about this woman and her kids, and they're in this boat, and they're getting away. If they have to be blindfolded. They they take the blindfolds off, they're screwed, and something's after them. You don't know if it's feast or beast or, or, or man, and it's just so creepy. burn Bird box. Do it! Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So next is Alice Isn't Dead, which is also a podcast, but this just came out last month, and so Alice is... Um, well, she's not dead. <laughs> she <laughs> she has disappeared, and they think she's dead, but her wife goes on a mission. She's driving a truck to go find her, because she keeps seeing her appear in different news, um, t- on TV, in the news, and she doesn't know why she's there, and then all these creepy people come. So here's a little bit of this
0: one. Keisha Taylor settled back into the booth and tried to enjoy her turkey club. The turkey club did not make this easy. A diner attached to a gas station, a couple hours outside of Bismarck. A grassy place between towns. Keisha's main criteria for choosing the diner had been ample parking for her truck.
2: So it's just kind of gritty, and you, all these creatures kind of come out. It's very creepy, and if you actually want more, the podcast is a good listen and supplement to it. Yeah. Same name.
0: Same name. Alright, cool. So... Anyway, we hope you have a lovely Halloween, whatever you do. Don't eat too much candy. Oop. Ah! Torch is in the way. My torch and my brain. Somebody said, do you, where's your brain? i like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I eat it. I ate my brain. <laughs> All right, do we want to talk? Let's, let's, let's continue with, in the vein of, thrilling reads. The Boys in the Cave by Matt Gutman, deep inside the impossible rescue in Thailand. We were all riveted um, when these poor kids were stuck in that cave with rising waters. Um, and um, Matt Gutman, he's an ABC correspondent, and he um, chief national correspondent. Chief national correspondent, get his title straight. Um, and he, uh, he really captures it. You are there. Um, he came into the office we met with him he's uh, quite visible you can find him all over ABC and he will be all over ABC uh, when this book comes out on um, November 13th so not not long uh, this is a drop-in title for us and um, this is uh, all about you know what happened uh, he he interviews uh, everybody that was involved with this rescue and uh, goes into the cave himself and uh, Tells the story of how these kids survived you know drinking the water that was dripping off the walls, and how you know they were they were they went in they knew they were going to go in um, they actually even put it on Facebook that they were going to go into this cave um, and they did know how to swim. however, this water was rising it was, it was the rainy season, so the the water was fast and and rising high, and it they just had to keep going deeper and deeper into the cave and found themselves uh, on this, like, beach in the cave, and, and there they were for all those days. Um, and um, and what they did, and how they survived, and then how they got them out, which is harrowing. Because I don't know. I didn't really think about it too much, but it's quite harrowing. I mean, talking about like how they had to give these kids um, uh, You know they had to give them a sedative to calm them down, and basically they were out. But then some of them like came to, and like the waters are rising, and they're getting these kids out of miles long cave. Unbelievable. So he really does a phenomenal job telling. He's a fabulous storyteller. So, what do you want to say, something? Oh, oh, I I thought you.
2: Itched my nose. Oh, sorry, you're on the
0: nose. I'm on the nose. Maybe it's like from baking your pies that you have like a little bit of um, flour. (laughs)
2: Here it is.
0: (laughs) Anyway, um, it's an amazing story, all about uh, you know the plans to you know thwarted plans and the people who were involved. And I'm telling you, he's he's really a terrific uh, storyteller in person for sure, and in this book. So that's the boys in the cave, deep inside the impossible rescue in Thailand by Matt Gutman, and that is going on sale November 13th. So just around the corner. Okay. So cool. So cool. Okay.
3: Next. Uh, I'm going to talk, so Halloween, it gets your imagination flowing, and and, and one of the most imaginative, creative authors I think working in the fantasy realm today, if I can find the book, it's (laughs) S.A. Chakraborty. Who wrote no. The City of Brass? And I'm gonna talk about the follow up. The City
2: of Brass is right there underneath that one.
3: Really? Um, we have like James. 80 books.
2: <laughs> underneath the first one.
3: Underneath this one? No, uh, here James. we go. Top. Yeah. Top. Here we go. go. <laughs> so here's City of Brass. This came out, it was a Library Reads pick in November um, of last year. Uh, librarian favorite. It's kind of, it has a classic fantasy pacing, but it takes place in Cairo and it kind of uses uh, like Middle Eastern imagery. Uh, as opposed to kind of that classic Tolkien-style you know, fantasy, those fantasy elements. Uh, and it follows this kind of young con artist who discovers that she has kind of secret powers. And her fate is intertwined with uh, this Jin kingdom. There's warring factions. It kind of has a little Game of Thrones element. There's political maneuverings. But the characters are so brilliant. Um, and again, people were eagerly anticipating the follow-up. It's going to be a trilogy. The next one, the Kingdom of Copper, is going to be coming out in January of next year. Uh, it's not in oh, okay, got it. Um, so that uh, the, the follow-up kind of takes place right after the kind of the incredibly harrowing, at times heartbreaking ending of this one. Um, I've sent it out to a lot of library friend, librarian friends. It does not disappoint the sequel. I think it actually ups the, the level of writing and uh, the imagination involved. Just really cool image, uh, imagery, and again, the characters, which really what gives all these fantasy novels the weight, are brilliant. Um, so I highly recommend, again, you can get City of Brass now as a trade paperback, and then just let me know if you're looking for a galley of the follow-up Kingdom of Copper, because I know a lot of people are champing at the bit. Yes. It. And it is knocking. champing at the bit for all of you at really? home, it's champing at the bit, I'm not, yes not chomping champing. Don't
0: chomp at your bit, champ don't at chomp it Don't want to chomp, mm. just be
3: proper and
2: People be are very excited about this, <laughs> knocking down our door for this book Yes, They were yes. champing so at the bit,
0: yes, champing, they're at, they're at,
3: champing the bit. at the
2: bit I'm Like stop champing on my bit, <laughs> <laughs> you learn something too at our Facebook lives, Yes, the more you know Give do me do your do tired, do do do.
0: your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, and stop champing at my bit. <laughs> okay. We have
1: um, Jane, who Jane who has already champed at your bit. Wait! What? What? Jane who has already champed at your bit. Loved right again, Kingdom man. of Copper, and thanks Chris for sending, <laughs> sending it to her. So. No yeah. problem. You okay there?
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm dying. Uh, uh, again. Again. again
0: round two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I asked Chris if his costume glowed in the dark. Oh, that would be cool.
3: I might. I know the cobwebs, too.
0: Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. Ooh. Later on, we'll turn out all the lights. Um, I just took my costume out of the package two minutes ago and realized I sh- probably shouldn't have worn my shirt. But, oh well. <laughs> Hope you're not tricked, <laughs> thinking I'm really the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> all Next. right.
2: Next, we have a <clears throat> debut thriller, No Exit by Taylor Adams. And this, I'm gonna let it sit. Oh, that's yeah, not gonna work. Thank Give you. Give it. Mm-hmm. Give it on up. So no exit taylor adams taylor adam is a, a filmmaker and a director and this is so chilling i read it in the middle of summer and i had goosebumps it was so chilly um, it's about a girl named darby Thorne. she's driving through the colorado rockies and she's going to visit her mom who's sick she's on her way back home from college and when she gets to a, in the middle of a blizzard, she has to stop on the side of the road. So she goes into a rest area and there's four strangers all sitting around and she doesn't want to talk to any of them, she just wants to get out of there as soon as she can. She goes outside to find cell service, there's none, and she walks by a van of one of the strangers and there's a little girl locked in a cage in the back of this van. So she has to figure out who put this girl in there, how she's going to get her out, and if she's going to say anything at all, actually. So it's creepy. The people come in and out, and you get to the end, and there's so many twists. I had to go back and see what I missed because I had missed so much, and there's so many little clues. Um, but also, I mean, it's a thriller, but it's got a dark humor that I really enjoyed, too. Taylor really kind of hits that really well. Um, and I think it's you're going to love it. It's so funny. Oh, so chilling. I, I can't even tell you. Some scenes, I just had to put it down because it was very intense. But so great. No exit. Taylor Adams.
0: All right. Now. What now, brown cow? <laughs> oh, The Enchanted Hour. Um, how much do we love this? Love this. Um, this is uh, The Miraculous Power of Reading Aloud in the Age of Distraction by Megan Kotz-Gurden. Now, librarian friends, you are the converted. Actually, you were never converted. You knew this from the minute you were born, and that's why you're librarians, that reading aloud is a beautiful thing and a must. You know, um, children who are read to become readers. We know this. Uh, this is, this book is for those people who may not realize that, for parents, for, um, for, for anybody really that, um, that needs a reminder how important it is to read aloud, not only to children, not only to babies, but um, to each other, to adults, to teens, to have teens read, to read to the elderly, to read to the infirmed. It, it, it There are studies upon studies that show uh, the beneficial effects of reading to a person. We actually did, well, let me tell you about the book first. OK. So um, uh, the author is a Wall Street Journal uh, columnist, and uh, this is her take uh, with lots of research to back it up on how reading aloud makes adults and children smarter, happier, healthier, and more successful. Um, Even in the age of uh, technology where everybody has a phone, everybody has a something, there are technical distractions everywhere. And it's hard. It's hard for all of us to remember to put that down and pick up a book and read it out loud to each other, to ourselves. I guess reading to ourselves out loud would be a little weird, and security might be called. But reading to other people <laughs> is a good idea, um, and so this was inspired by um, an op-ed that she wrote on in the Wall Street Journal called "The Great Gift of Reading Aloud," which went viral. Uh, you can uh, go to the Edelweiss page. You can also find it on Goodreads. Uh, the piece is there, and it um, it's just it's wonderful, uh, and it's just uh, prompted this. Uh, you know huge response from readers who agree, and uh, 40,000 40, people shared the story on Facebook. So um, very, very powerful piece, uh, and as I say, backed up with a lot of um, uh, data from um, from the, uh, let's see, the American Pediatric Association. Um, can you hold this please, my darling? Thank you very much. Um, and um, in addition to making a compelling and informative argument for this. There's also uh, a list of suggested uh, readings in the back. So let me just tell you a little bit about what uh, Kirk has said. She gave it a um, review. And it says that she makes the case for reading aloud. She draws on her experience of uh uh, reading to her five uh, children, their scientific studies, interviews, anecdotes, and she argues that when one person reads to another, a miraculous alchemy takes place, in which the ordinary stuff of life—a book, a voice, a place to sit, and a bit of time—transforms into astonishing fuel for the heart, the mind, and the imagination, which I love so much. Oh, my mother read to me and my sister every night. She read. She read uh, *Little Women* till, and then would finish it and read it again. Mm. We Love that book. And we have such wonderful memories of that. So the appendix lists uh, six pages of suggested stories for reading aloud, which I think is very um, helpful. And again, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, is one of the studies on which she bases her uh, uh, this book. So um, that's the enchanted hour, the miraculous power of reading aloud in the age of distraction. So we have a podcast and. Um, you know, we were all talking about books that we love and excerpts that, like, kind of like, whoa. And so we did, um, we did, we do lots of things on the podcast. But one of the things we did was musings from 195. And we sat, the three of us sat, and we read to each other. And how cool was it? Yeah. It was just like, we just found pieces of, you know, just, just, just pieces of books that we loved. Actually, it was the beginning of each book, because yeah. it was like, the, all right, it's got to grab you from the beginning. And so we, we each picked a, a favorite and read it to each other, and it was just like, oh my god, I could just do this all day if we Very had like peaceful. blankets and snickers. S- 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 anyway. You know, a good book, a
2: kid's book to read out loud, especially during the Halloween season.
3: Yes, perfectly. Do
0: it. I mean,
2: Abilia Bedelia is great, but. <laughs> so,
3: yes. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with this series, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark, uh, which is collection by Alvin Schwartz. I think really uh, one thing that really sticks in the minds are, of anyone who's come across these books are the terrifying illustrations by Stephen Gamble. Uh, Gamble, excuse me. Um, I love these books, and they just continue to sell. I mean, these have been out, uh, I forget when they originally published, ages okay. 8 to 12. Ha, that's laughable. Um, the, I, I'm, one of my earliest memories was being read in our school gymnasium. We had like a Halloween festival thing and one of the small rooms they collected all of us they passed around a bucket <laughs> of eyeballs which were definitely not these skinned grapes, they were eyeballs <laughs> and then one of the older kids read stories from these books and they cool. will absolutely terrify you even now especially with the images I have a really short one should I read do it, it? Do it? Do it! Do it. Okay. So, I remember
2: this book too I would read it and be scared to leave the house. Yeah. There's
3: so many and there, again there's a trilogy so there's more scary stories to tell in the dark same, same illustrator, same... And then, Scary Stories, more Tales to Chill Your Bones. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read a quick one from, uh, this is titled, What Do You Come For? There's the illustration, super scary. <coughs> I wanna ruin the ending. Got good. All right.
0: You need some longer, or you got it? He's got, got it, it? Okay. okay.
3: There was an old woman who lived all by herself, and she was very lonely. Sitting in the kitchen one night, she said, oh, I wish I had some company. No sooner had she spoken than down the chimney tumbled two feet, from which the flesh had rotted. The old woman's eyes bulged with terror. Then two legs dropped to the earth, earth excuse me, and attached themselves to the feet. Gross. And then a body tumbled down, then two arms and a man's head. As the old woman watched, the parts came together into a great gangling man. The man danced around and around the room. Faster and faster he went. Then he stopped and he looked into her eyes. What do you come for? She asked in a small voice that shivered and shook. What do I come for? He said. I come for you! You're supposed to snap your foot, too. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. If you're super funny. If you like to terrify children, uh, I don't I do. <laughs> do you like
2: to terrify children? These this book for is you. for you.
3: They're so imaginative and yeah, super scary. Um, perfect for Halloween.
0: That's Highly excellent.
3: recommend. Yeah, they're love. so fun. Yeah. You should
0: go read to kids at like a library.
3: Just terrify children. <laughs> it would be so
0: great. They I would like it. They would love that. Yeah, just volunteer. would be That'd scared. Be fun. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: So, yes.
2: That's what we, we should had, do. We, we should go on the
0: road. Yeah. And just. Well, we just might. Maybe. Mm, stay tuned.
1: Mm. So, for those of you just tuning in now, uh, just a reminder this is our Library Love Fest team. We have Virginia, Chris, and Lainey, and they're talking about some of our exciting new and upcoming books.
3: Yeah, that's
0: it. Yes. Hi, thanks. Hiding my Liberty Strap. Okay, here we go. What's uh, happening? Um, I'll that, was, talk about, that was
3: excellent, Chris. I really enjoyed that myself. I really did that for me, but I'm glad I could share it.
0: Um, Listen, as long as you're happy. I, those books explain who I am oh, as a person, <laughs> so... <laughs> this makes um, a lot of sense, Chris. <laughs> Michael, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Okay, um, keep going, you nutballs. All right. I, talk, I can I'll, go. Yeah.
2: Okay, so the next book is House Magic by Erica Feldman. So, she, Erica is the founder and curator of the beloved store Housewitch in Salem, Massachusetts, and it sells products for bringing magic and well-being into the home. Huh. So, this book is just a modern handbook for the divine well-being, bring it into your home and kind of making it your own space. Um, so, the brand, the Housewitch brand, um, brings together earth magic, meditation, herbalism, self-awareness, Terra, astrology, feminist spirituality, and interior direction, decoration. So this book is just all of that put into a handy little book. So it's got, like, pictures all through it. Um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, like, plants, where to place them, and natural cleaning, um, keep donate trash, just all of this stuff. Um... And it's got six fundamental elements. So manifestation, clearing, protection, comfort, harmony, and balance. And 100 inspiring color photographs. So this Instagram account has 40,000 followers. So everyone's going to be so excited to see everything that they follow and read about and go to the store for the brand all in this handy little book. So that is House Magic by Erica Feldman.
0: Erica Feldman. Hello. <laughs> House, magic. House uh, magic. All right. Well, um, the next book up isn't creepy, though it has sort of a creepy title The Eulogist. Do we have one, Lainey Maine Maze? Yes. And, and the, the back of Oh, in oh, oh, the back. Wow. Look at you. Okay. Lainey, she's running around like a crazy person getting all this <laughs> stuff together for us. <laughs> <laughs> I had, barely had time um. to make my pie. <laughs> really funny <laughs> <laughs> okay the eulogist by terry gamble so terry gamble um is back with a book after uh 12 12 years but it was worth the wait i've talked about this book before she is uh, sh- so she wrote the water dancers and good family um and this is uh, his- historical fiction um and so almost loosely based on her well i should say that the um impetus for the book Came from um, history that she had done while digging uh, through her her um, family's uh, uh, items when they were cl- she was cleaning out their house and so she found all this stuff that got her thinking about like hmm, okay everybody's got a history every family's got a story um, and so it's really interesting if you go on Edelweiss uh, to check out uh, the backstory to this uh, book which I actually have here and it's um, it's a few pages long and it's suck you in and learn all about her history, her family's history, and uh, and then why she wrote this book. Um, So this is based on a family who uh, comes from Northern Ireland. um, And after the Napoleonic Wars, they arrive in America in 1819. And uh, it's uh, building up to the Civil War. So you meet this family, um, and the parents for several several reasons, are no longer in the picture, so you're left with these three um, children, young adults, and they have to make their way, and um, so where do they go? Well, one becomes quite um, a successful, a successful businessman, another one becomes a preacher, and another, the sister marries this uh, uh, local, um a doctor? Now I'm forgetting. She marries uh, Silas Orpheus, the local doctor, yes. So, um, so it's all about, you know, they're coming to America, and it's, it's all about you know the injustice of slavery and immigration, and they really hadn't thought much about slavery. It really didn't occur to them one way or to the other um, until uh, the sister's husband, the doctor, Silas, dies. And when she goes to his estranged brother's home in Kentucky, her eyes are wide open. To the world of slavery and the injustice of it, and and uh, sh- so that's the that's the framework for the book and how she goes back to her her brother for help and how uh, she befriends one of the slaves and how she tries to free that slave and uh, what happens as a result of that attempt and so the bigger picture from all of this is how they uh, you know they the injustice of slavery and how it hadn't been anything that had um, been part of their world uh until they came to the to america and then how they fought against it and, and um so it's really uh entrenched in a lot of research uh and um and beautifully written and as I say she hasn't written uh, a book in 12 years so um, it's uh it's it's beautiful it's uh, it, it's um it's gripping as powerful um, and um and it has a such an authentic ring to it. So that's, uh, as I say, long worth the wait. Terry Gamble's the eulogist. If you haven't read her previous books, you must. Um, and then, and please read her behind-the-book piece um, on Edelweiss, which uh, flushes out this story. And uh, we all have a past. We all have our history. And um, and this is a really, really telling one. So, okay, The eulogist Terry Gamble.
3: Cool. Bup, 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 all bup, right. Bup, bup, bup. Um. So, James Gripando, The Girl in the Glass Box. This is the next installment in the Jack Switek series. Um, so, James Gripando has been an attorney for over 30 years. He writes really smart, uncannily timely political and legal thrillers. Um, and this is, again, oddly timely. Uh, so, Jack Switek is a Miami attorney, and he really kind of, you know, he. he he finds himself in very perilous situations and he really bats for you know, the, the the people who need help desperately. In this case it's a mother and her teenage daughter who are running from, they, they're in Miami, they came from El Salvador uh, in, in El Salvador they left a very dangerous past, warring gangs an abusive husband for this woman um, and she's desperate to get away um, but she's been locked up She's now in detention with criminals and she's going to be deported. She's know, an ol- illegal uh, citizen and she's going to be deported and her life and that of her daughter are really on the line. So Jack is trying to get to the bottom of how he can protect her and maybe, you know, somehow arrange asylum for her. Um, but the things that she, this woman, are, she, she's running from, have actually tracked her down back into Miami. So now Jack also has to protect her here in the states. Um, so again, with all you know, all the news that you have on immigration, violence, sexual assault, this novel really sheds light in a unique way. I think novels, you know, novelizations have an interesting way of kind of telling the truth better than maybe even the truth does. And James is really talented in that way, and he knows of which he speaks because he's. He's in this world. He's he's a very successful attorney. Uh, He actually won the Harper Lee Prize for legal fiction for Gone Again. And I didn't know this, Gripando and John Grisham are the only two practicing attorneys to have won that award. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so really, really cool. This is coming (coughs) February 5th from, uh, and I think, you know, again, James has written a lot of great novels, but I feel this has kind of like that breakout potential for him. just, he's a New York Times bestselling author, but I, it's just a special novel, and again, just so timely. Um, so, yeah, that's The Girl in the Glass Box by James Gripondo.
0: James Gripondo <laughs> <gasps> Just because I can! <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go? Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat>
2: so, the next one is In Another Time by Jillian Cantor. So Jillian is an award-winning novelist. Um, She writes for teens and adults, but most recently she wrote The Lost Letter and *Margot*, which was a Library Reads pick. So In Another Time is a book that she, she started off, the idea came from another project she was working on. She was interviewing Holocaust survivors, and she... Overwhelmingly heard people say that they didn't want to leave Germany because they felt such a national loyalty to it That was where they were born. That's where they grew up, you know You wouldn't leave your home country if you didn't really have to and they didn't always know what was coming And so and kind of put it to the back of their mind because they love this country so much So she decided to kind of go off some of these stories and this story is a novelization a novel and it's about Max Max Bessinger and Hannah Ginsburg. Hannah is a violinist. She wants to play in the orchestra. She's been practicing. She has this fire in her. She's so she plays so beautifully. And Max owns a bookstore, his parents did before him and they just passed on. So he's taking over this business and he sees Hannah and he falls in love and it's kind of their love story but as things start heating up and Hitler takes over he knows that because Hannah is Jewish, she's really in danger. But then he finds that the locked closet in the back of the bookstore might be a time machine. Maybe. And so he starts going into the future and f- trying to find ways to save her. And then, so that's in 1931, and then 1946, it flashes to that, and Hannah wakes up in a field and doesn't remember the last few years. She doesn't have any memory of what happened. She just remembers being with Max and people raiding the the bookstore. So he has pushed her hopefully into this book closet and she knows nothing of it. So it's just about her trying to find Max and find out what happened to her. And it goes back and forth between them. Um, It's really beautiful. Her violin is something that gets her through and makes memories happen. And Mm. that's really beautiful. But also just the love she has for Max and trying to figure out her own life. Um yeah, so I, I just thought the backstory was really interesting and how that came about because it does mix in some time travel as well, but it has this kind of historical point going back to. So that's in another
0: time by Julian not
3: Cool. I, yep. Michael, how are we doing? Do we have any questions? If anyone you're watching at home, be sure to ask questions. The skeleton
0: and... wants to know. Yes.
3: No
1: questions so far, but we're getting a lot of love for In Another Time. Um, mm-hmm. Betty is actually reading it right now. She's mm-hmm. finishing it today, and her book club is discussing it on Sunday. Nice. Oh, perfect! With the author joining them on Skype.
0: Oh, so nice! Exciting. Cool. Yeah, super cool.
1: yeah but if anyone has any questions, definitely feel free to ask.
0: Yeah, ask us. We're here for 25 more minutes um <coughs> okay i'll talk about a book called tiny americans mm-hmm. by devin murphy so devin murphy's <coughs> debut was the boat runner which was this beautiful thank you laney many maze um that was um in the tradition of all the light we cannot see in the nightingale it was about a young dutchman um, and a coming-of-age story during World War II. And it got glowing reviews. New York Times Book Review gave it a, a glowing rave. Kirkus gave it a star, honestly. And what a nice man, too. He came to the American Library Association. And um, it's just, a, just as sweet a person as he is a brilliant writer. And seriously, just go on Goodreads, and you won't believe the, the raves on that book. Well, he's back with a very different book called Tiny, Tiny Americans. Um, and it is—it's uh, a story of a family, um, and it is—it goes over several decades, and um, it is written in the vein of um, of Richard Linklater's uh, film *Boyhood*, and it follows this one family of the, over the course, say, of several decades. And it's everything—it's this coming-of-age book, and there's um, there's everything that you could possibly imagine—the father and the mother. Uh, love these kids, but not each other. There's a lot of, uh, there's alcoholism on the father's part. He's great with the kids, um, but he's, um, you know, he teaches them, teaches them all about life. He takes them outside. He loves to bring them, you know, show them how to live in the world, but he doesn't show them how to live in the world without him. Um, and um, eventually he leaves. And they resent him leaving, and they resent her staying, neither one can win. The scars are, the, the wounds are there, the scars are formed, and so you follow these kids through into adulthood and how their childhood has affected them and, and the trajectory of their lives, and then you, uh, the father re-enters the picture, um, he's he's cleaned up, and now he's uh, seeing, uh, you know, the, uh, the effects of um, that disease that had uh it had it on him and the and the effects that it had on these grown children now um and so that 's it in a nutshell where they go, what happens to them, how everyone is affected by it, and how there is love at the core of this, and how can they re- can they get that back? Did it ever leave? how do they feel about each other it's the arc of a story it's the arc of a of a of a family i mean uh as I say over several decades, so you see. And you see how, you know, it has the effect on one kid and uh, it's repeating itself, you know. So we all know these stories, but in the hands of a gifted writer uh, like Devin Murphy, who uh, proved himself uh, in his debut, I, gar- I really encourage you to pick this book up uh, because it's... Uh, oh, I have a great quote. Um, Hold on a minute. Hold on. Where are you going to go? You got sick. <laughs> this the Statue of Liberty. Anyway, okay, here we go. Great quote. Um, And this is from Nicholas Manieri, the author of The Infinite. Devin Murphy is a writer who can do it all. With tiny Americans, he gives us the Thurbers, some of the most complicated, most endearing, and most memorable characters I've ever read. The smallest details of their lives are vested effortlessly with enormous power and exquisite prose. I turned the pages, breathless, and yet the scope of the novel is nothing uh, short of epic. When people say fiction is true, this is the kind of story they mean. Wherever you are and whenever you read it, you'll see that Tiny Americans is the thing that you needed. That's Nicholas Manieri, author of The Infinite. So uh, please, 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 pick that book up and let us know what you think. Can we just, can we talk about this for one second? All right, (coughs) Please. Pause. We don't do we I don't know that we have it here. No, not with us. Okay. So we're really talking about books that are about to come out or out in a month or two. We have a book that's coming out in May. And it's called the six, the seven or eight deaths, I'm sorry, Ooh. the seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna by Juliet Grames. And it's just reminding me This book, Tiny Americans, is reminding me of it. It's another story about a family over the decades. Scooter, I don't know if you can get that, but um, this is a debut, and it will also knock your socks off. I know we've talked about it before. Get used to it, because you're going to hear us talking about it a lot. All of us have read it. All of us have loved it. Um, And it is the story of, um, at the core of it, uh, is the story of these two young girls' sisters Stella Fortuna and her sister. This is based loosely on not not too loosely on the author's grandmother and aunt and it's about their life in Calabria, Italy growing up in this tiny village and what happens to them over the course of decades and immigrating to the United States and it is so good it's just like this it's these memorable memorable characters like this like this quote here you can't stop thinking about them long after you put the book down or worse if you're in the middle of it and you have to put it down because you have to go to work you have to do whatever and all you can do is think what is happening to this kid next what where what happens to her that's to me one of the most powerful things that a book can do, take you out of yourself or out of your world and you're stuck in their world and you can't stop thinking about these characters. And that's what happens in The Seven or Eight Deaths of Stella Fortuna by Juliet Grames. I can't speak highly of it enough. I can't wait till this book comes out yeah. and I can't wait for you all to read it. Um, but just like Tiny Americans uh, by Devin Murphy, it's that kind of great writing that really makes you care about those characters. They're not just characters, they're real people and you care about them um, because they've done just such a beautiful job of of fully fleshing this out. Boom.
2: The really great part of that book is that there's a narrator from this time, looking back, I mean you kind of realize she's in the family but you don't know, and she's pointing out all of the really inconsistencies in racism and immigration and feminist problems throughout Stella's life, and she really gets to kind of give you an outside look of Stella that it, it really makes you think too and it's, I like wept that's it, what I say I like one point I was just like I feel for this yeah. person so
0: I know. much and you just yeah you Ugh. I mean it's not it's some hard stuff in this Ugh. book but it's it's just so good it's just so beautiful all these books about immigration are making me want to light my torch again mm-hmm. I lift my lamp upon a golden shore <laughs> okay who's next
3: uh, no. I'll go. And, and I guess just a side note, go to our blog, Library Love Fest, and there's Thank a video goodness. of Juliet, who gave her literally her first ever book talk yeah. to a room of librarians here at the HarperCollins office, uh, and she talks about the backstory story that inspired inspired the book, her own grandmother, she has pictures, oh, uh, pictures. from Calabria, and just beautiful, she's a talented uh, photographer as well as it. She so said happens. that she's
2: not good at pictures, and these <laughs> pictures are so beautiful that it, does, it doesn't matter if you're a good photographer or not. That's how right. beautiful
0: it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is good. So definitely yeah, watch this is. video. Go to Library Love Fest. Thank you for. Yep. Uh, that's good because uh, yeah, it's uh, it's these photos are not in the mm-hmm. book, but um, it's just you know to provide backstory to what informed her about about writing the book, and then people told us later like those pictures really pictures of it. her
2: grandmother yeah. and her aunt, oh,
0: and they're on the beach and. Oh, it's so good! You gotta yeah. read it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right.
3: So I got—I have a great chilly-contained psychological thriller for you all. It's *The Hunting Party* by Lucy Foley. Um, so this is great for fans of like Ag- Agatha Christie, *Murder on the Orient Express*, but also fans of Ruth Ware, Tana French. Um, and again, it's in that very that kind of locked room Agatha Christie con- tradition. Um, but in this case, it takes place in the Scottish Highlands, kind of in the dead of winter, and follows a group of friends they are Oxford-educated, they're in their 30s, mid-30s, um, and they've been friends forever, but again, as you get older, your lives veer off in very drastic ways at times. Um, but one of these friends on this trip to this kind of luxury resort that's very isolated uh, in this great setting in the Scottish Highlands, one of these friends, ends up dead um, and again there's only this is there's only one train in or out so you know the killer is amongst s- someone on this kind of this huge sprawling estate um, and it's really cool because you you know you, you see the murder right in the beginning and each chapter is told from a viewpoint from one of these friends so you get to know them um, but you know that someone is involved right from the beginning just from their narration. And then you jump back, and then you kind of learn the play-by-play of how this came to be. So very twisty, very cool, in a great setting. Um, just a really cool novel. I really enjoyed it. Um, this is coming February twelfth. Um, just yeah, it's juicy and fun, and like just you can see the cover. It's just very chilly. You know, you want to wrap yourself up and get to the bottom mm. of what happened. Which friend died? That's the other cool thing. You don't know which friend died and you don't know who did it until the very end. So structurally really cool and it's just so much fun learning all these friends, their resentments, their secrets. It's juicy okay. stuff.
2: Between so. that and no exit, you're going to need a blanket. It's yes. cold. Yes, yes.
3: <laughs> cold drillers.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, as cold right. as the grave. Uh, oh. And I would know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know, seeing your your hands with I know. Bones I know. Talking.
0: That's so cool, you should wear those all the time. I wonder if I they glow might. let me see your hand. <laughs> I can't tell, <laughs> it might glow in the dark, Chris. <laughs> let me see. Oh God, all right, I have one book left, how many you got? Uh, two. How many you got? Two. All right.
2: All right. right, I'll go. Um, where's my picture? Okay, Da-di-da. so, this is Jeezy. And the book is Trust Your Process. And so Jeezy is from Atlanta. He has eight albums and five and a half million record sales. Um, he's also got gotten multiple Grammy nominations. So kind of knows his stuff when it comes to the music and rap world. And but before he was a rapper, he grew up in kind of the poor area of Atlanta. So he grew up trying to f- kind of get past all of that and get into this stardom. And really, he says he ha- it says that he has an MBA in common sense and rapping. He really learned all he needed on the streets. And so he goes by a core message of hustle or die. So he, he brings all of that. And this is the book that actually is going to be at the same time as his album that's going to be Um, Thug Motivation 101, Trust Your Process and so both will come out kind at the same time and he's going to announce a a tour next spring so all of this will be great to read together and listen to. Um, It's really inspirational, it's part memoir growing up in Atlanta, um, part inspirational so examples of things he's done in his life. I mean he's big in the business world too so he's all these brand names and he's uh, representing them and so he knows about that world but he can also put it in terms of someone, you know, just living their daily life. Um, and so it's kind of in the mold of make your bed, little things that can change your life. It, it is really inspirational and you're gonna see all of the things he's gone through. Um, there's 50 and 20 color photographs, which was really cool. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like common sense, like how to live your life and be the best at it. Um, so that's Trust Your Process by Jesus. Cool. Yeah.
3: All right. Um- so, one of our great, great friends, author friends here on the library team is Sarah Beth Durr. She's a renowned fantasy author and she has a new novel coming, The Deepest Blue. This is coming March 19th. So, Sarah Beth is, she does YA novels as well, but um, we really came to know her from her series, uh, The Queens of Renthia, uh, which started with, let's see, where is it? The Queen of Blood. This is. Re- we have a lot. So, and then it was followed by the Reluctant Queen. Let me make sure. Let's see. Yes. And then the Queen of Sorrow. Uncle I believe. Ben. Yes. Okay. Here we go. So this was a great trilogy that was set in this world of Renthia. Just, Sarah Beth is one of the most creative authors I've ever met. She just has an imagination for miles and miles. Um, so great world building here and this world, Renthia, it's inhabited by nature spirits, which you'd think nature spirits like, you know, friendly, friendly things. They're not. They're like bloodthirsty, they hate humanity, and everyone is always kind of on edge. And there's a select few people within this world that can actually control and fight these nature spirits so it's a great sprawling series um that is available now, but the deepest blue is really cool because it's set in that world, but it's a standalone and it's a very different setting in that it kind of has an island beach setting uh you you find yourself on this small island, and this young woman is about to be married uh it's a you know it's a beautiful day her uh, her whole village is attending, and this small island is attacked viciously by these nature spirits and <coughs> It's, it's a tragic event, but this woman discovers that she is one of these chosen people that can control and fight these spirits and get to the bottom of why they're attacking and what she can do to salvage her, you know, her society. So really, really cool. Again, Sarah Beth, she's, she's amazing. I just, uh, I always enjoy seeing her. Uh, you've probably met her if you go to any of the library conferences. She, she's usually there. Um, so this is coming March 19th. Um, if it's available as a galley, let me know, but also dip into the trilogy because it's brilliant. Um, they're all available now, and I think they're available now is trade paperbacks as well, or mass market. So
0: give that a shot. Beauty. All right, uh, my last book is by Tessa Hadley, Late in the Day. Uh, she uh, also wrote, oh, thank you. Uh, uh, Bad Dreams and Other Stories, and the Past, her most recent book, which was uh, her most um, accessible and commercial, um, and uh, nearly tripled the sales of her her previous book. So, um, and we are sh- so sure that uh, we'll h- get that and much more in her next book, late in the day, which goes on sale in January. And this is um, very quickly because we're running out of time. Uh, this is a story about, uh, f- two couples. They have known each other for 30 years. Um, uh, two married couples, um, and they, uh, they had known, the women had known each other in childhood, as had the husbands known each other in childhood. And then they, um, they all got together, uh, 30 years ago through, uh, school. And, um, <clears throat> so, present day, uh, this one couple gets the phone call that, uh, from the, from the, the woman, uh, from the other couple, that her husband has died. There was nothing wrong with him. Um, he just, it was very unexpected and he passed. And so this is what happens, uh, the fallout from that. Naturally, immediately, they are there for them. What can we do for you? Um, how can we help you? They end up you know having her stay with them for a bit. Um, and But you learn that they actually, the couples had been, uh, uh, with the other. So uh, the man who had died had been uh, with the woman of the other partner, of the other couple. And so eventually realizing that um, they were more suited to the other. Do you get what I'm saying? So Hmm. they had their past. Um, And they had sorted it all out. And they they realized that they were better suited to who they were with. And then when this man dies, old wounds uh, and uh, old feelings and some grievances and some, uh, you know, maybe unfinished business uh, start to surface. And so that's the story of uh, Late in the Day. Got a starred review from Kirkus. Um, This is a four, they say, a four-person character study. Here as always, Hadley is a master of interpersonal dynamics. The, The novel captures the complexity of loss. Their grief is not only for Zachary, it is for the lives they thought they knew restrained and tender. I love that. Um, this is for fans of Ann Tyler, Alice Munro. It's smart. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just com- it's completely t- sucks you in. I just love these books where these character studies are just so flawless when done, when done right. And uh, once again, Tessa Hadley knocks it out of the park with Late in the Day. And that is
2: that for me. Okay, my last one. And I'll go quickly because I know we're running out of time. But, so we all know Sally Thorne from The Hating Game. I loved it. A lot of people are just love this book. Now her second one is coming out, 99% Mine. Don't you love the cover? Don't they go so well together? I love it. If you've read The G- Hating Game and you loved it, you already know about this book. But if you um, haven't read The Hating Game, then and you're a, fr- a fan of Jojo Moyes or Sophie Kinsella, this is a perfect book for... That crowd, um, so in this one, unlike the Hating game, it's not two people fighting against each other, it's two people who have known each other their whole lives, and um, it's a house renovation, and two people coming back into lives and realizing that they still have feelings for each other. Um, so Darcy is a twin, and her grandmother passes away, and her, her and her twin have to flip this house, and their friend Tom comes back to help them. And her brother is best friends with him, so she wants to make sure she wins over 99% of Tom, and he can have 1%. So it's very cute. She has great characters, a good character arc in this book. You get to know all about her. She's kind of down on her luck and trying to get out of this small town that she grew up in. So it's so great. You all know about it. It's
0: wonderful. <laughs> you all know about it. You are all Better. so excited about this. <laughs>
2: because I see people requesting on Animize. So, yep. <coughs> had Lots a list that was very long to give them.
3: Okay. Well, I thought it would be appropriate to end with Michael Chavon's bookends. bookends nice. Yeah, there we go. Um, Michael Chavon, what do I need to say? He's a Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times bestselling author. Uh, his last novel was Glow um this is in trade paperback he also most recently released pops uh fatherhood and pieces and this is also a really cool collection of um, intros and outros bookends um so michael chabon basically is talking about the role of both um uh forwards and afterwards some people read them some people don't but what is the significance of them and how have how like what are his influences, what are his inspirations, and he frames it in a way that's really cool against the backdrop again of forwards or afterwards. Um, So it's really like a love letter to literature. I mean if you love Michael Chabon you know he's just like a literary star and anytime you get to dive into his mind and his inspiration it's a real treat Um, and this continues that. It's coming January 22nd I mean, if you haven't dive, delved into the mind of Michael Chapman, I highly recommend it. He's just a beautiful author who I think spans a lot of different tastes. Like I, I gave Moonglow to my father, um, who's a little more like of a conservative guy. He loved it, but he also appeals, you know, we need literature that kind of appeals to everyone sometimes, you know, like whether whether you're, whatever your political viewpoints are, whatever your Literary tastes are, I think he just has that humanity and that humility that really appeals to everyone. So I highly recommend you check out any of his work, but Bookends is a great way to start, and it's a really cool, uh, short, snappy gift book as well. Uh, so that's January 27th. Beauty. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: so that's it. We got through all of them. Wow. Well, do we want to eat some of our brains? Don't forget about the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, you want to eat some brains? I need some brain. Turn it upside down, Laney. Let's see what happens.
2: Oh, it's starting to come out of the mold.
0: Scooter, don't get mad at us. <gasps> uh.
2: Oh, Some of yes! it is out. Okay.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, that gives me a headache. <laughs> <Ugh>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what's Can't in there?
0: Laney, what's in there? Give
2: me that. Well, cake. dig it out. <laughs> so, every year we get a king cake from our lovely friend. Fina. Yes. In New Orleans. (laughs) Doing surgery a little. And so I had it on my desk (laughs) and I
0: thought why not stick it in the mold? (laughs) The baby. The baby that's in the king cake. I don't know if you can see it. It was gonna be very dramatic. Why don't you suck some of that jello off of him? Never mind. Um, Can you see Um, the baby? But Lainey, tell them what you wanted (laughs) to call it.
2: So I brought the baby and I said it can be a brainchild.
0: (laughs) Oh! Is that not hilarious? I love that you said that. (laughs) So there, there's our brainchild. It's not exactly, I don't know, we we don't do Jell-O Jello a lot. We Um, we, we tried. (laughs) It's a lie. It's a lie. It's like the blob. (laughs) Anyway, we hope you like these books. Have a nice, safe Halloween.